What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started Picture Lock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world famous award winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find movie reviews, all the back episodes, and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. Make sure that you hit the website to be able to check out my reviews as done on Let's Talk Live earlier today. Also, just a reminder for you filmmakers out there, the DC Black Film Festival Call for Entries is now open. We are in the regular submission period. Make sure you head over to dcbff.org or you can find us on Film Freeway and submit your films. You can call today an indie film grinding episode as I talk with two men in the business who really work hard at it. I talk with filmmaker and founder of the VIP Film and TV Summit, Ron Newcomb. The annual event is hitting Dulles, Virginia, April 5th through 7th, and he'll talk about what you can expect to get out of it. I also talk with filmmaker, founder of Indie Film Hustle, and now author Alex Ferrari about his new book, Shooting for the Mob. Alex talks about what inspired him to write this cautionary tale in filmmaking. Plus, I have your answers from last week's question of the week. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. Hey, this is Sarah Perosek, director, writer of Hashtag Like, and you're listening to Picture Lock. It's Picture Lock. I am Kevin Sampson, and my next guest is no stranger to this show. In fact, Ron Newcomb, if you search the archives, has been on here already this year, and uh, he's back. But this time, he's back in the capacity as the founder of the VIP Film and TV Summit, which is taking place April 5th through 7th. I told you this man gets busy. Ron, welcome back to Picture Lock. Yeah, man, no, I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just trying to keep the cameras rolling. Isn't that the, the dream? So I'm trying to do what I can. <laughs> I hear you, and it seems like you're doing that. So, Ron, uh, if you could, folks, uh, usually I know I start out with, you know, when did you first fall in love with film? Ron and I have already covered that. So, Ron, let's jump straight into the VIP Film and TV Summit. I, I thought that it would be important to have you on because this is a great chance and opportunity for filmmakers, folks in the industry to be able to come together and sit before the feet of uh, executives. But could you, could you go ahead and give us a broad overview of what the summit is all about? Yeah, no, it, it really stemmed out of my own selfish desire when I woke up last January and said, okay, how am I going to level up my filmmaking career this year? 
And there's only a few ways to do that. You can either get a manager agent, you can get a producing partner, you can find the right investor, or you can get a TV executive to believe in you. And unless you can't get that, you're really kind of out on your own to do this. And so out of that sprung the VIP Film and TV Summit. And I began to ask other filmmakers in the area about, man, wouldn't it be nice if, if we had something like this? Like if we could meet these people. Because meeting the right person can be a complete game changer, change your complete trajectory. And, you know, and yet most of the people are in L.A. or New York. And so it's difficult to find and meet those people. And you're trying, we're all trying to use online resources and everything else. So this really sent from or, or started as, as a result of my own desire to want to meet these people. So then I started to put together like a wish list of who I wanted to come. And so I put together things like, you know, the studios and the streamers and, and people, though they didn't need to commit of something they needed to be open to a relationship with that so think of the tv show shark tank they needed to be in a position where they could take on a new partner or new client potentially invest and again no guarantee but that was another qualifier of the vip is that they are open to the possibilities of what's before them so then i thought okay well if that's who i want to be these other people are saying that how can i get them here one is i called it the vip film summit to esteem the vips and I, as soon as i started to reach out to them telling them what i was going to do and the idea and the concept they all said okay i totally get it i'm in and the reason is most people that are working in the industry are generally not traditionally from la and so they get the hurdle that it is the huge impediment it is of trying to get into the business from outside of Hollywood, and yet there's no real clear path to go about doing that. And I thought, man, if I could just get these people here and we can engage them, they can see and hear the stories that we have to tell in our area. And so last year in August, I, 103 people came out. I flew out 15 VIPs. I wanted to make it as minimal cost to everybody, and I didn't want the VIPs to have to go out of pocket on anything. My goal is not to be an event planner. My goal is to simply just break even on the event. I just want to get the people here because I want to get several projects in various stages of production. The only way that I can see all of us to create sustainable filmmaking is if several of us have wins and can keep the cameras rolling. One person doing a film in the area is not going to be a sustainable win. So I want to get as many people going, as many projects greenlit, and that will create that sustainable market. Um, I love the show Shark Tank, so that's kind of an easy pitch that I use to pitch people from those coming and to those uh, where I was trying to get as VIPs. But then also I wanted to ascertain and get that knowledge that they have. And so what we do is we, we have four panels we have one where you can um, hear from and potentially obtain a manager and agent specifically in the area of writing, directing. Many of them, in fact, I would say most of them also represent uh, actors. But I wanted it through the lens of being a screenwriter and a director because that's uh, generally what I am now these days. So we have a panel for that. We have a panel for producing partners. Look, 
the truth is we all want to get on Netflix. We all want to do that. But they, it's funny, they are disruptors in distribution, but they're traditionalists in how they make content. So unless you're someone whom they've worked with in the past, it's extremely difficult uh, and almost impossible to get your stuff on there unless you're partnering up with the right people whom they've worked with in the past. So we have people that have worked with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon uh, and even Facebook. You know, there's a lot of people getting into the original content game, and that's the producer partner. Then, of course, you know, I have my own projects, and if I could just get the capital for that, money's not a problem, it's the problem. So investors is certainly something that I'm interested in. And this is an interesting panel because it's most of the investors are not your traditional filmmaking investors. They're lo they're mostly local people. They've never invested many of them in film before or marginally, and so they're usually investing in tech and real estate. But they're still um, astute filmmaking, or I'm sorry, they're still a, a, astute business entrepreneurs, and they know the business. Now I do have two coming this year and one that came last year that do specifically invest in, in films specifically, and they oversee film funds. One is a U.K. fund. The other is a China fund. So, um, And we're talking, you know, significant capital, right, which would be a complete game changer. And then lastly, we all know episodics. We're in this golden age of TV. And so, uh, you know, I thought, man, if we could just get to Netflix, you know, if we could just get to one of these guys, then we could get it in there. And these people, have, these executives have worked with these main streamers, the studio levels, the networks to get content up. And like I said, they're, they're even tapped into a lot of the places that are starting to look for, um, you know, untraditional content, such as places like, like Facebook and so forth. And so the first hour of the panel, each panel is a two-hour block. The first hour of the panel is moderated by myself. There's five VIPs, and there's a Q&A. But the second hour, 10 filmmakers per panel get to get up and do a 90-second pitch of their project. It's then follow up, followed up by a 90-second Q&A. And um, it's really people, are, you know, I'm, I get all the time say 90 seconds, you can't say a lot. And that's true. But it's meant to, to tease and wet the palate. And so each of the VIPs, I give them a scorecard to offer feedback because we, we do have a winner, a pitch winner at the end of the day. But they let me know right on that sheet, yes, please make an introduction for me. And what that means is, is when I tally up all those, uh, little sheets, those feedback forms from the executives, from the VIPs, after the event, if they flagged it like, yes, I'd like to contact that person based on their pitch, I will then make an email introduction with the VIP and the filmmaker, and they take it from there. And the goal, the hope is, you know, partnerships, greenlighting projects, getting various stages of the projects into production, of which last year is a success. We've had several people partner up with the VIPs, and they're moving things right along. We've already had one person already start to roll cameras. So, um, you know, it's it, it really is kind of a unique thing that I've never heard of this style before, and people loved it last year. They were just about, ravenous about it because after the, the epic full day that we had last year, one of the VIPs, a guy named Franco, got up and did a, a hour-and-a-half block of instruction on film financing. And 
it just was like a home run after that. We spent the whole day there, and everybody couldn't get enough. Um, so this year, I extended it to um, two days, uh, two and a half days, actually. There's a little VIP happy hour on Friday, and then it's all day Saturday. And then on Sunday, I, I brought in the TV executives uniquely, and we have workshops now. So I'm really trying to – I don't want to be an event planner. You know, I, I really want to just green light projects. And so I'm hoping that, um, you know, we're going to be able to just roll right into production after this. That's that's the goal. Yeah. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with the founder of the VIP Film and TV Summit, Ron Newcomb. Uh, the summit takes place April 5th through 7th, 2019. You can go to VIPFilmSummit.com for more information. And folks, it is right in your backyard. It will be taking place at the Dulles Marriott in Dulles, Virginia. So, Ron, you know, you've kind of uh, really outlined at least some of the things that folks can expect. And I, I want to take a step back so that um, those that are listening, if they're interested, if they're filmmakers, um, if, you know, they might know a filmmaker, uh, that they kind of see a little bit more of what's going on here in regard to um, what to expect. So, uh this is a summit in which uh, you can expect to go to panels. This is an educational yeah. uh, summit. This is not like a, a film festival or anything like that. Like if you're coming, then you you should be prepared to listen, to learn. And I think it's amazing that, you know, you actually have room in each panel to be able to pitch in front of, yeah. you know, these different um, whether it's managers and agents or producing partners, uh, people. One, I think that's great for, you know, the person that's doing the pitch because it's practice. Two, it's great for you if you are in attendance because you get to hear and see how it's done, um, but making those connections. So am I correct in, in, in kind of that's what it is, that's what you should expect if you want to sign up for this? Exactly right. I mean, you're hitting the nail on the head. And on top of it, you know, when you are – when you are pitching, you're not just pitching to the panelists. You're pitching the whole room. That was not something I, I expected from it, right? You're, you're, so I'm very intentional about networking. I've gone to many of events like this, and I don't even walk away with one or two cards. Now, I know that's a lot on me, but sometimes, you know, the introvert in me gets the best of me. <laughs> and so I'm very in intentional about forcing people into networking. Let's be intentional about exchanging cards. So when you're pitching the panel, you're actually pitching the whole room. You don't know what DP might be out there. You don't mm -hmm. know what, what other, you know, producing partner might be out there. And a lot of other panelists, the VIPs I encourage, it's not like they go up to their room after their panel's done. They're sitting in the audience with us. Now, right. um, for some people that uh, I get asked, you know, why don't I have a finished screenplay? Not only is this for screenwriters and filmmakers, I, got, I get pitched all the time from just everyday people that say, man, I've got this great film idea. It's for them, too. You do not have to have a finished script to go to this event. All you have to have is a flushed-out idea. And what I mean by that is, who's the hero, what's their goal, and what's, what's the antagonistic force that's preventing them from getting it? That's, that's really what you need, you know, in the basic pitch. And so this, you don't have to have everything all flushed out. In fact, what I love about this is you can pitch someone on this side of things before you spend all the time writing your screenplay and find out if people even would consider that something worth 
spending time around. Um, so to me, it's you don't have to be a filmmaker, though that's what a lot of people are. And then for people that are nervous about, why well, don't want anybody stealing my ideas, that we do offer one-on-one five-minute pitches that you can sign up for as well. So I've kind of covered, I took all the notes from last year and tried to make it the best event I could this year. And I really do feel like we are teed up for an epic uh, adventure. I just think not only was it a lot of fun, it really felt like I moved the needle on my own personal career. And I heard that consistently throughout the event. Yeah. You know what? Ron, one one of the things I'm I'm thinking about, you know, uh, for not just the radio listeners, but podcasts, like if if I'm outside of the DMV area, is this something that I can attend? And if we can, kind of just wrapping up here, how can people find out more about, you know, getting tickets to this event or um, really, you know, just how to be a part of it? Yeah, so definitely VIP film and TVSummit.com, but we have people fly in from Texas. I had people come drive down from New York, fly down from New York, come in from Ohio and, and Philly. And the reason I did it at the Dulles Marriott, it literally is on the Dulles International Airport campus. So you can fly into Dulles and it's and you can catch the shuttle. It's a mile and a half away from the airport and uh, still on their campus. And that was very intentional because I wanted to make it easy for people to get in and out and to come to this event. There's, in other words, there's no excuses. There's a lot of excuses, I think, that we tell ourselves, oh, well, I'm not in Hollywood and I can't meet that person or do that. This event is supposed to break all those barriers down. There's no excuses. Get to this event. Um, <laughs> certainly, I'm available. If you go to um, the pay tab up top there, you can see all the different price options. I do offer a student discount, a full-time active duty military discount, and uh, just trying to get people there. I want people there. And you don't have to pitch to come. People found extreme value in just attending with the networking and the education. Like I said, we're adding several workshops. One of the guys literally wrote the book on producing that they use at colleges. Wow. Uh, John Lee, he's coming. We've got people that have worked with Netflix, Lionsgate, all the studios, Amazon, these people have, these are vetted people. These are not people that have, that just talk the shop. They've done it. And I, I'm, I'm telling you, this to me is the gateway into big changing things. Yeah, most definitely. So, folks, if you are in the area or outside of it and you just want to get in front of folks that are, are doing it but understand the business of filmmaking because that's one of the things that I think a lot in a lot of times in indie film uh, we forget that this is a film business and so if you want to learn that business you have this opportunity again April 5th through 7th 2019 at the Dulles Marriott the VIP Film and TV Summit you can visit vipfilmsummit.com for more information uh, and obviously you can hit up Ron Newcomb he's uh, more than happy to answer questions for you, I'm sure, right, Ron? Absolutely. Call anytime, whether it's this event or, you know, just any film related, please do let me know. I'm happy to help. All right, one more time. Ron Newcomb, founder of the VIP Film and TV Summit. Thanks so much for coming on Picture Lot. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure always. Kevin, love what you're doing. 
Last week's question of the week, what do you think about Steven Spielberg trying to block Netflix from having its films be Academy Award eligible? On Instagram, at Aunt Naya said, I understand why he feels this way. On Facebook, I know I had some answers, but they magically evaporated because I think it was in my story. Whoops. Sorry about that. (laughs) But we do have a call in this week. Hi, Kevin. This is Alinda Simpson from San Francisco in response to Mr. Spielberg saying that he wanted to eliminate Netflix from the Academy. Um, I think that what he should do as someone with his power and clout is to figure out how to work with Netflix and Amazon and anyone else that streams movies to figure out a way to get movies streamed into theaters because I think it was his issue was that we should preserve the theaters. Well, we can certainly do that, but more than one way to do it. With all the technology we have, there's no reason not to have a Hulu theater, Amazon theater, Netflix theater, or even pop-up theaters where you can actually show the movie on the side of a truck. Um, and I, I'm surprised that he would say that for someone who's supposed to love movies. Um, what if we were to say, well, we're going to invalidate all of your movies that don't include only humans in them? I don't think he would like that. So that's my answer. Just figure out a way to work with them to make sure we have more ways to see movies and not less. So thanks for all you do and have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for that call in, Alinda. Great points. I definitely think that we got to figure out a way to be able to see more movies on the big screen. And certainly Netflix, Hulu, all the different streaming companies have allowed indie filmmakers to actually get their films out and distributed on a worldwide status. So uh, that's really why I wanted to pose that question to you guys. I know as indie filmmakers, it's definitely a close topic to our heart and for, you know, a Titan like Spielberg to come out and say that. Um, yeah. For me personally, I get, I definitely get where he's coming from, but I think that we're living in a new day and age And uh, unfortunately, I know he comes from, well, fortunately, he comes from the school of, you know, film. Film was made on film and cutting was with razor blades and glue. And so I, I do think there has to be a little bit of adaptation in order for us to see a wide variety of stories. Thanks, as always, guys, for participating in the question of the week. Official question of the week this week. What's wrong with Hollywood actresses and rich people paying for their kids to get into college? I mean, we all do that, right? (laughs) Leave me a message 60 seconds or less on your thoughts on the recent college admission scam and scandal coming to light, and I'll play it during next week's show. Call 202-350-1351. You can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com, and I'll read your answer next episode. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do, And as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, 
but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realize that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know in a behind the scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to prfortheindiefilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. Hey everybody, this is Bailey Kobe, director of the feature film Ragdoll. You're listening to Kevin Sampson here on Picture Lock. My next guest is no stranger to the show. You can hear our initial conversation on Picture Lock Radio, episode 100 and the after show. He is a filmmaker, producer, director, screenwriter. He's the founder of Indie Film Hustle and Indie Film Hustle TV. Now author of the new book, Shooting for the Mob, Alex Ferrari. Welcome back to Picture Lock. Thank you for having me, brother. I appreciate that. That was a great intro. I, I, I am humbled. <laughs> man, I, I appreciate you uh, just stopping back by. Uh, man, this is something that I definitely want to jump into. Now, usually, yeah. you know, I start out with when did you first fall in love with film, but we've already covered it. So yeah. let's jump straight into it. You teased the book in our last conversation, but now yeah. it's a reality. Shooting for the mob. Let the audience know, you know, a little bit about this book and then we'll get into more details. Well, Shooting for the Mob uh, is a book that uh, it's taken me about 18 years to get the courage to write. It, it is a uh, – well, you know what? I think it would be best just for me to read the quick synopsis because that, <laughs> that really covers everything as me just babbling along. So uh, the synopsis of it is real quick. A bipolar gangster, a naive young film director, and Batman. What could go wrong? Alex Ferrari is a first-time director who just got hired to direct a $20 million feature film. The only problem is the film is about Jimmy, an egomaniacal gangster who wants the film to be about his life in the mob. From the backwater towns of Louisiana to the Hollywood Hills, Alex has taken on a crazy misadventure through the world of the mafia and Hollywood. Huge movie stars, billion-dollar producers, studio heads, and of course a few gangsters populate this unbelievable journey down the rabbit hole of chasing your dream. Would you sell your soul to the devil to make your dream come true? By the way, did I mention that this story is based on true events? No, seriously, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this is crazy. So I, I was fortunate enough to receive an advanced copy. And I got to yes. say, the way that it reads, you know, it's, I mean, I can, it, it, you know, books are, are in some ways way better than movies because your imagination paints mm -hmm. in the pictures for you. And and as I as I was reading it, I mean, I just saw all of these different scenes, you know, like the initial, you know, kind of first chapter <laughs> is you having this meeting with the production teams and all this stuff. Man, in a race track. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. So, so I guess one of our first questions is what was it like? really kind of writing this uh, this novel um, as opposed to, you know, being a screenwriter. It's a different kind of format, different oh. art, but I feel like you did kind of nail a voice and a feel within the book. 
Well, I, I appreciate it. I mean, th- there's definitely a voice in this book, and that voice is very distinctly mine. Uh, you know, the the process of writing the book was easily the most difficult thing I've ever had to do on a creative standpoint. And even though the the book is 95 to 98% accurate, uh, I'm going to say that, you know, there's still a creativity of how to tell that story. It's not like I was making the story up as I went along. I just, I knew every story. I knew every little bit. I just had to organize my, my stories and my ideas, but going through the process of writing it, it, it was, you know, imagine going to the darkest, most devastating time of your life and now go back 18 years. I'm going back to Titanic, go back to 18 years later and then go back and live in that space for a year uh, and have to go and relive it all and have all those feelings come back up and all of that stuff. That's what I had to go through. And I remember going through the writing process and I would skip chapters because I knew where I had to go emotionally <laughs> to right. that chapter. It was it was fascinating for me to watch like, you know, just that person hanging above me while I'm watching me write, if you will. Just being a spectator of my process, literally going, yeah, I can't get to chapter seven right now. I'm just not <laughs> to chapter seven. I'm going to just go to chapter eight and nine, and then I'll go back to chapter seven because I knew where I had to go. And then when I went back to those chapters, I remember writing it and literally crying while I was going through that because that's how much emotion, that's how much crap was had been living in me for almost 20 years. And the, I always tell this to people, like what I found fascinating, people always ask me, was it cathartic? You know, was it something that, you know, helped you release? And like, absolutely it was. But what I find fascinating about my process, at least through my journey writing this book and telling the story, is that, yes, at, when I was done, a weight was lifted off of my shoulders that I cannot explain to you. But what's fascinating is that I didn't know I was carrying that weight. Mm. And that is the big shocker for me. Like, cause it wasn't like I was sitting around for 10 years, like every day thinking, Oh, poor me. Look at all this stuff <laughs> I went through. Like I never like really thought about the trauma. I really didn't. I really never really worked my way through it. I just kind of just shoved it away, which a lot of people do, but I really truly didn't think it had any real impact on me on my daily life for the last 10 years. When only in hindsight that I realized that that experience completely shifted my perspective on the film business, completely shifted my pers- the perspective of my own skills, of what I was able to do, of what I was capable of doing. That's why it took me till I was 40 to direct my first feature film because I think a lot of that had to do with the baggage that I was carrying. So I finally broke through that on my own, but I still had not dealt with that. And I can't tell you how much lighter and I'm, I mean, I'm very free to open. I can talk about the story without any issues. Doesn't bother me in the least anymore. <laughs> but when I was done writing that first, that first draft, when I just was all out there, I was just like, oh, this, this is the feeling. But it really, again, I said to myself, if I'm carrying this for me with me for me for 20 years and I didn't know I was carrying it, can you imagine what other people are carrying around? with them that they don't even know. Like they, it's like, it's one thing if you were like, you know, beaten or had really traumatic experiences as children and right. you're like, you know, I, I get that. But it's the other things. Like I always use the example of like, in your, you're in first grade, you pee your pants and the whole class laughs at you. Let's say didn't happen to me. I'm just saying, uh, that experience you might've forgotten about, but that, that thing affected your mind and your mindset about who you are. And you have no idea the ramifications, the ripples of those 
that that small event that I just said in first grade, but can you imagine a year of what I went through in this in this in this story that I was so close to the to the dream. I'm literally sitting across the table from Batman. I'm like I'm literally at his billion dollar estate. I went to I went to ba- I went to the Batcave. I went to Wayne Manor <laughs> to go visit Batman. I'm not kidding you, the actor who played him. And I'm there talking to him and he's like, "Hey man, you want to like hang out? Like you want to like sleep over tonight?" And like yeah, I want to sleep over Batman's house, of course, to talk about movies. Yeah, right, right, right. And of course, Jimmy the Gangster's like, "Nah, kid, we gotta go." That all crap. By the way, that is the voice in the audio book. Anytime <laughs> Jimmy speaks, I I do a Jimmy voice, a, G- a Jimmy impression. Uh, but I want the audience to understand that. Imagine going to to a workplace every day, where you're 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 getting closer to your dream than you've ever been. You're living your dream in many ways. Uh, in many ways, you're not, but you're getting close. You're getting to talk to Oscar-winning actors, and you're being flown out to L.A. and you're doing all of this stuff. Meanwhile, you are your main uh, conduit into this world is a bipolar, egomaniacal maniac. So you literally are going to work with Joe Pesci from Goodfellas because you <laughs> nice. you just don't know. Like when it's fun, man, it was fun. It was so great to talk to him and hang out and. And and he tells stories I'm like ah yeah I took a bat to this guy's knees ah, ah, ah. and all this kind of stuff and you know of course that's not a fun story but you know at the time you just like he tells these very elaborate he's an amazing storyteller but then in a in a drop of a dime am I a clown to you why am I a clown why am I funny and you get that kind of Joe Pesci moment imagine that world every day for a year it will it, it tore me up it tore me up into a place where I. I went into a depression for two years. I almost went, I was literally two days away from signing bankruptcy papers because of all the money I lost during this process. Um, I, I, I it took me for it took me a, literally two years. I hid in a garage selling comic books. Oh wow! Just to make ends meet at a friend's house because I couldn't get myself out of bed, and the only thing I could do was drag myself to his garage and sort comic books uh, because I was it. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. My guest has shot for the mob, but not bullets, just film, folks. Uh, He's Alex Ferrari, and his new book, Shooting for the Mob, is out now. Uh, Real quick, Alex, how can people order the book if they want to? Uh, if you want to go, it's it's available on Amazon. Uh, just type in Shooting for the Mob. If you go to IndieFilmHustle.com slash mob, that'll take you straight to the Amazon page. Uh, it's on Barnes & Noble. It's on all everywhere you want to buy it, and it will be available in uh, stores throughout the country. And I will be doing a little book tour and signing tour around the country as well for the book, hopefully, uh, as, as we organize all of this craziness. But yes. That's pretty awesome, man. So, okay, I, I just want to walk back a little bit and slow things sure. down. So, so you were hired by a gangster to shoot a film about his life. Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. So, so as I was reading and, and even as you talk, you know, this book seems more of, of a cautionary tale to other oh, people yeah. than like, you know, an autobiography. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, 
you know, um, and you kind of have hit it already, but why did you think it was important to write this book? Like you said, it took you so long to finally do it and to finally write it. And mm-hmm. obviously, as you said, you're, you're dealing with, I, f- I feel like personally, you know, dealing with the trauma that you experienced and going through this, as in the book, it says truth is stranger than fiction, this <laughs> truthful, you know, part of your life. Why, why do you feel it's important um, to, to, to put out the book? Why is it important that people read it? Uh, and like I said, I, I do feel as though it's, it's a cautionary tale. Yeah, no, there's no question. It is an allegory of what not to do when you're chasing your filmmaking dream or any dream for that matter. I felt that the book is extremely important. Again, it wasn't just for me to put a story out about my my life or experience in my life. I wouldn't have done this for that. I I, I get enough attention. I don't need any more uh, attention. (laughs) My ego is fine. I wanted to create something. I wanted to create a resource or a story that showed people that one – Ask yourself the question, what am I willing to do to get to my dream? Am I willing to compromise my morals? Am I willing to to take abuse or trauma in order just for the chance of getting your dream? And you know as well as I do that everybody in this business, I mean right now in L.A. while we're talking, there's thousands of assistants getting coffee and getting their ass handed to them by a boss and they're taking that kind of abuse purely for the fact that maybe I'll get an opportunity to move up. And maybe I'll be able to move forward. Are you willing to sell your soul to the devil to make your dream come true? And I did. And I did it to a very extreme sense. Uh, But you've got to ask yourself, what is it worth to me? And why am I doing this? And also, another little side thing about the story is I wanted people to understand that there is a choice that you can make if you're in a bad situation. Whatever that situation is in life, you have a choice to leave it. You are worth it, and you can make that choice to get out of whatever that bad situation is. I didn't. I would have been there for another three years, honestly, if he wanted to keep me there. Uh, but I was lucky enough that I was able to get out eventually. Uh, but it was an exp- it, it was that was the main reason I wanted to write this book. I wanted to give that kind of story because I have never really heard this isn't a unique story. I've never heard of this. I've read a lot of filmmaking biographies. I've read a lot. I've studied this business for 25 years. I've never heard anything like this. Right. It's a very unique experience. So I wanted to be out. I wanted to put this out there in the world to help hopefully people in their, on their journey. Yeah. You know, I think that's a great thing. So at, at, at the time of us recording, uh, you know, doing this interview, uh, mm-hmm. Fighting with my family is about to come out. I just saw the screening last night, and um, and and so one of the the interesting thing, the Vince Vaughn character is talking to uh, Paige, and he says that the reason that he didn't hire uh, you know her brother is because he's like a journeyman, right? So he's supposed to be the guy that takes you know all the punches and the kicks to make the hero look better, right? And that if he had accepted him, like how he would have gone to the extreme, like letting someone throw him off of a, you know, 30 foot high fence to, you know, onto the gravel or whatever, because he desired to to be that wrestler so bad. So as you were speaking just now, you know, you said, what am I willing to do for my dream? And I think this is a really important thing that I, I think about a lot, right? So, you know, you and I as filmmakers and film lovers, like this is what we know. This is what mm-hmm. we do, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure for every one, there's something that you've been blessed and gifted with a talent that you have. And, and for those of us that like, can't see anything else, but (laughs) I think you raise a great point in terms of 
when do you draw that line? And 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 in right. in your case, you got sucked into it and you didn't realize it. But once you were in it, you're kind of like, ah, uh, I'm I'm here, but I'm I'm talking with Batman. You know, I have a team around me. I'm about to make a feature film. Uh, could you talk a little bit about? Um, the decision to to kind of to get out was you know was it forced upon you or did you kind of realize like this is not going the way that it should be? Oh man, I wish I would have had those balls. But I didn't. <laughs> um, I I'll be honest with you. You know, like when we first started talking, you're like, when you're like, yeah, I'm reading the book. I'm like, I don't want to ruin the ending. I'm like, and I said, I didn't make it. I didn't make it. I died at the end. <laughs> right. I'm buried somewhere. Um, obviously, I got out of the situation. Uh, and but I'll be honest with you, it wasn't my choice. I would have kept. I was so emotionally and psychologically beaten down. I was unprepared for what. Uh, came at me at that age. I was 26 years old, and I really was green as a, as you know as a spinach. I mean, it was just really bad, and you know, I was not a worldly filmmaker by any stretch. I was experienced filmmaker, but not a worldly one. And and Jimmy saw that right away, uh. and and uh, and saw like, oh, I could, t- I, I I got this kid, and uh, and he saw the talent, and he saw you know whatever he saw in me, but I was so beaten down psychologically, uh, emotionally, spiritually. I was decimated, man. I was absolutely decimated. Like, I mean, I, I didn't even know. I didn't know who I was anymore. So when I happened to finally get out of the situation, I was so lost and started to try to pick up the pieces of my life that, uh, I mean, literally was at the at the very bottom of the barrel for me. It was the darkest, deepest place. I, I'd hit rock bottom for myself. I was about to lose my house. I was about to, you know, go bankrupt. I was. It was all these things. And uh, and my girlfriend left me on top of that, and uh, all of that stuff at the time, it was just such a brutal experience. I wish I could have told you, you know, I got enough energy and I finally got the balls to say I'm out of here. This is not what I want. Yeah, that's not the way it happens, and that's not the way it happens in real life. Right. That happens in Jerry Maguire, but that doesn't happen <laughs> in real life uh, in, in many ways. So at least for me and my story, I just was I was not I I was unarmed. And I could not get the strength to get out of that situation. And uh, it was it was pretty brutal. And I feel a lot of people feel that same way because it wasn't just like you have to understand. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to it was like lie after lie after lie after lie. There was that. But then it was with drizzled in with like, oh, we're flying out to L.A. to go meet this billion dollar producer. or We're going to the Chateau Marmont to meet this huge movie star or we're going to Spagos to meet with this huge agent like there was that. So that's what kind of kept it going. It was, you know, and they're like, oh, do you want to go meet Batman? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> oh, do you want to do you want to talk to, you know, somebody in Martin Scorsese's office? Sure. I want to talk to someone in Martin Scorsese's office. So like, you, you know, do you want to talk to this Oscar winner who's on the phone? That was almost on a on a weekly or monthly basis. So those drizzled of hope was what kept you in. It wasn't just like we're sitting around for for a year until like nothing happening. Things were always happening in one way, shape, or form, but it just didn't – by the time I realized what was going on, it was too late. I was in. It's just like – it's like Donnie Brasco, man. I swear to God. It's just like when you're in, you're in. Like I can't – you can't – psychologically, right. you couldn't leave. Uh, I, in, in, in that situation today as who I am today, first of all, I would have never walked into that situation. Uh, but 
if put in that situation, um, as a grown man now who's been doing this for 20 odd years, I would have, I would have, first of all, never allowed myself to get into that situation. But if I happen to get into that situation, I have to have the the fortitude to leave, and 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 just go. This I'm worth more. Right. I know what my value is, and that's the thing a lot of filmmakers, especially early on, they don't get. Like you are enough, and you are worth it, and you don't deserve this kind of treatment. And and I hope that message really sinks through with the book, because. Look, I know we all have to bust balls. We all have to go get coffee. We all have to pay our dues. There's a difference between doing that and getting abused. And I don't care who, you know, it does work out for some people, but at what cost? That's right. the question. Right, right. It's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. We're talking fact versus fiction with author Alex Ferrari. His new book, Shooting for the Mob, is out now. Uh, Alex, we're going to kind of wrap this up for radio, and then we'll talk a little bit more for the podcast. But if you could, one more time, just let people know how they can find all of your work and the book. Uh, Well, the book, again, you can go to IndieFilmHustle.com forward slash mob. Uh, and you can go straight to that. I'll take you straight to the Amazon page. If not, just look, just type in "shooting for the mob" with two O's in Google, and you'll find it. it it's pretty simple to find. It's on Barnes and Noble and, and Amazon and all all places where you can buy books. I am working on the audiobook, so the audiobook will be available in the next few months. Uh, so you can hear this lovely velvety voice <laughs> read the book to you with my great impression of Jimmy uh, as well while we do it. Uh, if you want to know more about what I do and, and the resources I, I, I create for uh, filmmakers and screenwriters, you can get o- go over to IndieFilmHustle.com. And if you want to sign up for the Netflix for filmmakers and screenwriters, that's IndieFilmHustle.tv. And, and those are the main places. And on social media, I'm pretty much everywhere at, at IndieFilmHustle. And other, other than Instagram, which I'm iFilmHustle, but everywhere else is at, at IndieFilmHustle. Awesome. Once again, folks, it's Alex Ferrari, the author of Shooting for the Mob. Alex, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Thank you, brother, for having me, man. All right, guys. So uh, obviously you are a podcast subscriber. We're still talking with Alex Ferrari of Indie Film Hustle. Um, Alex, you know, just kind of wrapping up on, on the book. You know, I think that this is it's really interesting, you know, as we kind of talked about this book, because the book is it's more than just a book about your life. And like I said, this cautionary tale, but in the film industry, it's such a hard thing, right? So like after, you know, grad school, I talk with one of my professors, like, how do I become a director? And he says, well, there's no A to Z, right? Like nobody ever has a plan. And and so you can easily get sucked into, all right, um, I'm going to be an intern. I'm going to work my way up. Oh, this is paying my dues, right? But like you said, there's a difference between the abuse versus like, you know, paying your dues. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I guess this is the last thing for for shooting for the mob, you know, in terms of filmmakers, um, especially up and coming filmmakers, what do you think is maybe one of the biggest things that they can really gleam from your book? Do not uh, do not sell yourself short and do not allow yourself to get abused. The, look, I, I, I was taken advantage of coming up in the business, you know, but the difference between like working 18 hour days, that to me is paying your dues, you know, <laughs> right. and, and, and that's just that's the way it is. You know, you work 18 hour days for 50 bucks or 100 bucks. Um, you do that for a little while. That's just kind of like you got to eat a little bit of crow in that sense. But it was never a point where I was being physically abused, mentally abused, verbally abused during that process. You should never feel less than in any job. Uh, you should never feel belittled in any job. You know, working hard and working 
longer hours and getting paid crap, that's the business. And that's kind of like what you're signing up for. I always tell people we're carnies, guys. We're carnies. <laughs> you know, we, we show up, we put on a show, we close a tent, we move on to the next thing. Carnies work their asses off. So do we. You know, that's kind of the way, that's kind of the world that we live in. So understand that when you're walking in. But do not allow yourself to get abused by a client, by anyone. And that's, that even goes off on way after when I started out, when I had clients that would start abusing me, abusing what I was you know, being, you know, be kind. And I'd like, oh, I can do this for you here. Do, I, I won't charge you for that. I won't charge. No. And they start abusing it. And you give them a little bit and they just keep going and going and going because they're going to see how much they can squeeze out of you right. before you say stop. Right. And that happens all the time. So you just have to be aware of your value and not to be afraid of just saying, you know what, this is not going to work out. I'm going to move on because there's always another job. There's always another client. There's always another gig. You've got to think of it that way because if you think this is it, this is the only thing I got, you're done. Because if you give someone else that power, they will use it. And some people are really kind and, and I won't say everybody's, uh, you know, Jimmy, but there are, uh, but there are many people in this business who will continue to suck and suck and suck until you're dry, and then they throw you away and they'll grab the next one. That's there's only two hundred of them behind you. Right. So you've got to be able to set that up for yourself and what makes sense for you. But I, I personally, after going through Jimmy and twenty five years in this business, don't uh, you have to you have to value yourself and your skills and your time to a certain extent. Again, you're gonna bust your balls at the beginning because we all did. Uh, I worked free for months before I got a job opportunity, but I was never abused. Right. I was never abused. Yeah. Um, you know, man, we could probably talk for a long time about this, but you I let I, me know. I'll come back. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Come yeah. Back. You'll definitely have to come back, man. You're a friend of the show. Um, but, you know, I really do appreciate that as, as we've been talking, you know, the, the, this book is is definitely more than, you know, just a book, um, just a book about your life. But I think it's a. A entertaining way of um, uh, of realizing that like you don't have to be abused, and I think that's the thing. When we're young and we're chasing the dream, a lot of times we'll accept things. But what you just said was knowing your value. I think that that's a, a hugely important thing. So, so again, you know, I believe it's shootingforthemob.com or indiefilmhustle.com/slash shootingforthemob. Oh, uh, no, it's going to be – you can go to shootingforthemob.com and that will take you – right now takes you to a landing page and eventually I'll be building a site out for that. But you can, you'll can you get information about the book there. But if you want to just go straight to the pre-order page, just go to indiefilmhustle.com forward slash mob and that takes you straight to Amazon. And uh, and if anyone does buy the book out there, please leave a review uh, on the, on Amazon. It really does help uh, the standings of the book and in, in, uh, in the Amazon algorithm is what I'm told. <laughs> uh, but And then I've got another book. I'm writing – man, I got another huge book I'm writing right now that is uh, – that's going to be a game changer. No more, no more kind of narratives. These are going to be nonfiction books that I have, about five books lined up back wow. to back to back that I'm going to be writing. So – uh, yeah, I got addicted to this stuff, man. It's fun. I Writing see. books is fun. <laughs> <laughs> I see. I see. Yeah, man. Um, and and I got a couple that I'm I'm gonna uh, be putting out myself this year. But Good really quickly, Alex, uh, if we could, um, just remind folks about uh, Indie Film Hustle and Indie Film Hustle TV. Yeah, if you want to check out anything I'm doing, just go to indiefilmhustle.com. Uh, there you can get access to my podcast, which is now over 300 episodes, oh, wow. which is insane. Yeah. Uh, as well as the Bulletproof Screenplay podcast, which is all about screenwriting. And I started that last year. It's become very popular as well. And 
our YouTube channel, which we have the video podcast up on the YouTube channel, as well as a bunch of other cool stuff that we put up on the YouTube channel. And of course, if you want to sign up for the Netflix of fil- for filmmakers and screenwriters, head over to IndieFilmHustle.tv, which is literally the you get documentaries, making ofs, courses, everything all for one very mon- very small fee uh, <laughs> that, that every month that you could pay for it. Uh, but it's an immense amount of content. I think we're getting close to a thousand. Uh, titles already. Oh wow! It's, ins- it's pretty insane. I, I, I was gonna. Do it. Yeah, I was gonna ask you like, how's it going? Because I think the last time we talked, like you had just launched, and yeah. now you know it's been like what months later. Because that was last year when we talked. Yeah. So 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 how how is it's going and, very well? People are signing up every day, and people love it, and it's growing every day. I just got last week, uh, as of this recording, I got for lovers only, which is a Polish movie, a Polish brothers movie. Uh, it was the first movie shot on a DSLR. They did it for literally no money, and they made it. Uh, I think they made about five hundred thousand dollars selling it on iTunes. Wow! And uh, we have a whole making of, like a twenty twenty five minute behind the scenes of how they did it. And uh, it was just like I was so excited when I got that. The Polish brothers are like indie film legends, <laughs> and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I get that kind of stuff all the time. I'm getting courses like crazy, uh, documentaries. I'm lining up, just a ton of stuff. It's like a filmmakers and screenwriters and content creators heaven like there's so much information on there and i even have stand-up comedy i have wow. an entire section of stand-up comedy specials uh, as well because it's it goes along with artists artists doing what artists do and that's kind of what any film hustle tv stands for man that's what's up man well alex i appreciate you coming back on the show like i said you're a friend of the show Come, please we got we just need to one day, just go talk for an hour. I, this Juju, is always let me fun. know. I'm, I'm game whenever you want me to come back, brother. I'm always game, man. Thank you so much for having me, and I appreciate your time. My pleasure. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Ron Newcomb and Alex Ferrari, for coming on the show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast, so you can catch those unlocked versions of the show as well as the Picture Lock PR after show. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock podcast, and I'll come right up. Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well. You're supporting the filmmakers and guests I have on the show by allowing more people to be exposed to the podcast It's quick, easy, and free, and I certainly do appreciate it. You can find Picture Lock on most social media. All social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show at youtube.com slash Picture Lock Show and subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. All music is done by Mike S. The Producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S. The Producer, numeral one, numeral three, and hit him up for your music production needs. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.